back. Tennis bets on Tennis Channel YouTube, on Tennis Bets Twitter, and the Tennis.com Facebook page, as well as all your podcast platforms. It's Eckery Cohen. It's Pamela Maldonado. It's Kenny Ducey. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. We've got a lot to discuss on the road to the U.S. Open. There's been some turbulence. There's been some peaks and some valleys. One of us saw their hero win a tournament last week. There's been a lot going on, so we're going to get into all of that. Uh, Zico, bottom left of the screen. Starting with you, kind of city open into the first 1,000-level event. What are the vibes like in tennis gambling? Yeah, I think that you're seeing actually a lot of correlation between what we saw at the City Open and what we're seeing now in Toronto with, you know, not a lot of these top players actually decided to play the City Open. And I think that that's why we're seeing so many upsets. I think some guys are out of form on hard courts because they haven't really played since Wimbledon. Calibration is a real thing, and it shows you with Holger Runa, with Tsitsipas, with with Rublev all losing, that it is going to take time. We've even seen, you know, on the women's side as well, some early upsets. We're into Canada right now, Pam. It's also a good time to point out what makes the best of the game the very best. A guy like Carlos Alcaraz last night who doesn't have his best stuff but still finds a way to get through. Alcaraz is still amazing to watch. I am amazed with him every time I watch because you just see he continues to just make progressions. And I'm just like, where is this force coming from? Where is this court sense? Like He's just still improving on his game every time he plays. It was it was interesting to see. You know, Ben Shelton picked up the level. There's still a lot of stuff to work on for his game. Uh, Kenny Ducey, bottom right. Let's talk about what you want to get off the chest first. And I think I know what it is. Yeah, I just I want to take a big old victory lap. My man Dan Evans is a two-time champion at the <laughs> ATP level, first ATP 500 title. And we, you know, this is the reason why I love him. Why he's so lovable. He is a guy I think. You know, universally, you meet anybody who watches tennis. One of the first impressions, myself included, uh, I, I hated Dan Evans when I first watched him. And many people do. He rubs a lot of people the wrong way because he's very vocal. He complains a lot. He's very British. And people don't like that. And you start to really appreciate his antics on court, his his energy on court, the, the way that he competes out there. He didn't have his best stuff in the first round here when he had to face Gabriel Diallo. He didn't have any energy, but he was still breaking Diallo's serve back back into that match. Come on, come on, come on, Evo. Like, I don't know. He's a great player to watch. And every year he does this. Every year he has like two weeks where he's just the best player in the world and no one can touch him. And uh, last year he was at a Masters 1000. He almost won it. Took a set off PCB in the final. This year wins a 500 level event uh, against a very talented player in Tom Griegsport. Over the moon, happy for Dan Evans because his ranking was really suffering earlier in the year. After we left hardcourts the first time, he just never really found that form again. He was not believing in his tennis, as he was saying, going into Wimbledon. And now he's a champion once again yeah. uh, here in 2023. So, yes, uh, amazing. And I, I also want to say, because you mentioned it just briefly, uh, Ben Shelton getting all the prop compliments from Carlos Alcaraz after their first round match, or second round match, rather. Uh, maybe even third round, I'm not even sure. Uh, but uh, saying that, you know, his serve was one of the biggest he's ever had to return. He hits a big ball. I mean, I think Ben Shelton and Carlos Alcaraz can play some very, very fun matches for, for many years to come. I, yeah. can, I, can I compliment on that as well? Because I was going to also say about Shelton is that I can, I talk about Carlos all the time. Duh, he's one of yeah. my favorites. Yeah. But Shelton, I was actually really like impressed with him. And what I've like noticed is if he can kind of like up his aggressive shot making, I know Kenny likes to look at like futures. Let's talk like futures like three to five years from now. Don't you think that Shelton has a potential if he can up his aggression, keep up that pace? Wimbledon final, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Five ish years. 
I want to turn it over to you guys too, because I think the stats on the broadcast last night, last night really spell it out. He's got one of the worst break percentages, like fourteen percent, and he gave a lot of free points on Alcaraz's second serve. I actually think that's a positive because he's got a lot to improve with what he can do, and if he just gets a little better on the return game, yes, Pam, I do think the sky's the limit. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I enjoy watching him because, yeah, like you mentioned, I see so much potential for progression in his game. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Mitch, because, I mean, he really it was a very raw tennis prospect when he went pro a year ago, uh, you know, really just riding off of one win over Casper Ruud, which, as we all know, you know, if Casper Ruud is your measuring stick on a hard court, you know, I don't know if that's the best decision, but he's got incredible skills, uh, incredible competitive spirit. We saw it at the Australian Open this year. He's very, very talented. And yes, he did all these things. He accomplished all these feats. He went to the quarters of a Grand Slam as a very young player without the ability to really return. I mean, even going, going back to like the Cleveland Challenger, this guy has had issues returning serve. He's really never been a good returner. So the fact that he's been able to accomplish all that he has and really still has no ability to return serve consistently, I think that says a lot about the future uh, that he has. You know, the, the fact that he's able to win matches almost one-dimensionally, uh, the guy is really the limit. And, you know, you, you look at a guy even like Carlos Alcaraz, uh, he really was having a lot of trouble serving for his first year professionally until, you know, he finally figured it out, and then he became, like, this unstoppable player. But for the most part, he was winning on returns. He, you know, he was winning on clay and, you know, it sort of all came together quickly, but that's how, you know, he's almost a, a half developed tennis player at this point. He's already pushing the world number one uh, in a very, very close match yesterday. So yeah, I, I'm very excited about Shelton. It's hard to take out future. What I will say for people at home, because this is an educational betting show at the end of every season, there's always some amazing markets. Usually DraftKings and FanDuel are the ones that I see hang them, but you can bet on over under player rankings, uh, you know, player to win a grand slam, et cetera. I would expect a lot of Ben Shelton props in the futures market after this season. And I would definitely be very interested to bet on him, maybe even cracking the top 20 or top 25 if they offer that. But I, I agree with Pam that uh, this is a guy you definitely want to take a look at in future, in future grand slams and future grand slams, future markets to come. Lot to get to on today's show. Just want to point out, as most of you know, watching at home or listening, that they split the Canadian Open in two cities, Toronto for the men this year, Montreal for the women. We have a rain delay in Toronto, so the men's matches have halted. Women are playing now. And Zico, just to touch on something we talked about, we got a live score update of Swiatek 6-1-2-4. That game is uh, still going on, the 4-2 game there, but... Just something you kind of alluded to. You said if if Ego loses, this kind of wrecks me. So yeah. talk about that. Yeah. I took Ego to win her quarter at I don't know what it was. I think minus one thirty or something like that. And I did put a pretty sizable play on it. So I do need her to win beat Mukova here. And if she does, I think she has a really good matchup in the next round. So I feel pretty good about it. But yeah, she doesn't. She hasn't looked good in this tournament. She looked really poor in her last match, and she's having some trouble here. That first match theory. I mean, Kenny, we kind of talked about it too. Like even the very best coming back hadn't played. I mean, this is a step up in competition. The pressure's on to go on that march to defend a U.S. Open title. I'm not surprised, and she's also playing a Grand Slam finalist too, so that should be pointed out. Yeah, I'm. I'm not either. But she did win the first set six one. So at a certain point, it's like, well, how many? How, when do we start giving Carolina Makova props? Because you know she, she did just win a Grand Slam, and now all of a sudden she is, you know, pushing Iga Swiatek, kicking the second set potentially off for that game is at deuce right now. But yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, this this is a, a player that is very talented. She hits a very big ball. I agree with you though. 
I mean, I noticed it in the, the these Zverev matches. Zverev got absolutely rolled by Alejandro Davidovich Kinawana. If I were Alexander Zverev, I would quit tennis. That's one of the most embarrassing losses <laughs> I've ever seen. I'm not even joking. I mean, not even – how many games did he win that? Four games, five games? I mean, against Davidovich Fakina, a player who's really not – he's not very good. I mean, on a hardcore especially <laughs> – I, I, no, I'm, see, I'm I'm dead serious, and I really think that that has everything to do with the preparation going into you know the U.S. Open. He played Hamburg, which I guess makes sense because you know he's German and it, it, it's a home tournament. But um, I don't know if he's really in the position that he was a year or two ago, you know, before the ankle injury. Like he needs all the matches he can get right now. Like we were still very skeptical as to whether or not Zverev was back uh, at Wimbledon, right, and even after Wimbledon. So like, why is this guy taking weeks off? Why is I mean, I, I guess maybe to manage his body. I don't know, but I. I mean, I think he needs all the hardcore reps he can get right now. I would have had him go to Atlanta if, if, if it really came down to it. So, Yeah, that was a weird one. Um, but Fakina, you know, in a match with Casper Ruud right now, that is an Iran delay. He took the first down a break in the second, and uh, we'll see what happens. We, we have a lot of picks today, and I want to get to some. Now, slow start for the only uh, joint pick on the show. So I'll let you guys kind of workshop this. Zico and Pam both on Milos. Slow start, Rain. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing with the miles he has, but Milos has looked great. And, and Pam, we can start with this. 52 aces in the first two matches. That's a pretty staggering Not Tiafo and Taro Daniel. What do you like about Milos going forward, and why are you still confident he can turn this one around? I am backing Roundage, not just in this match, but for maybe in the indoor hardcore season to come too. I'm a believer that he can pretty much find his full form again because of how big his serve is. I think if he didn't get injured, even if he is now, I think he's the second best server on tour behind Nick Kyrgios. He is just a heavy, heavy hitter. As you mentioned, 52 aces in two matches. But I really do like that. It, what I saw from Francis Tiafo in that matchup because we know that Tiafo has a full court game. He has a slice. He has a drop shot. He kind of has a lot more variety in his bag than most players. And around was able to get through that so that should have put him in good preparation preparation against a player like Mackenzie McDonald who's pretty much just like a backboard <laughs> he gets everything into in play um there's not really any one weapon from uh McDonald that really like solidifies him as like a strong player in this one spot but Milos should be getting a lot of free points because of that ace serve ability but in maybe this rain delay I think that could damper it just a smidge. So we'll see what yeah. happens. But the Canada home crowd should also be yeah. like a huge favor in his huge in his favor. Yeah, and maybe McDonald's Nico, it's you know the hot hand theory. Like he beats Rublev, this is just him being unconscious. I know it's so early in this match, and the fact that you know Ronich has played you know at least that first match pretty heavy tennis. But what did you see from Milos that makes you think that not just this match but beyond there's some potential? I think it was just a matchup. I think with Milos, like the floor is so high because of his ability to serve. And I do think that Mackey's going to give him some chances to break. I, I think that that's just a, you know, a situation where the server isn't that good on the other side of the net. That's exactly the type of recipe you need for a roundage win. I would pump the brakes a little on roundage, you know, having success the rest of the season, because I do think that the crowd played a huge role in TFO losing that match. He kind of unraveled in a way that we really haven't seen from him in quite some time. But, yeah, I mean, it's still a fun story to watch. I think that having a serve like that gives you the ability to win matches almost every time you're out there. So he will have, you know, some more success going forward. I just don't think that it's anywhere near, yeah. you know, what he used to, what he used to do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Kenny, that was kind of unfortunately the old Francis we saw where he had a dip in his game for about five, ten minutes. And Milos, being the wily vet that he is, just capitalized, put scoreboard pressure on him. And before we knew it, they were shaking hands. 
Yeah, it was an unfortunate match, especially given all that happened in the first set there, right? And I, I thought he played pretty well, but I mean, Francis is going to make errors, right? Francis is most of the time going to give give away points, and McDonald doesn't do that, which is why I, I do like, uh, you know, I understand why he might be a good matchup for Milos, maybe a good bet why he's up a break right now. But uh, I watched McDonald and Karatsev, which was a, a mistake because you never want to watch an Aslan Karatsev match, because especially when you have money on him, because it's painstakingly, I, I mean, it's, the matches will take three hours. Each set takes an hour and 15 minutes, at, at, you know, at minimum. And anyway, the bottom line is I didn't think McTenzie and McDonald looked very good. You want to talk about Dan Evans, the hot hand theory, whether it's last week or Canada last year, you know, Talon Greek sport. I mean, there's a lot of guys who've gotten hot, right? McKenzie McDonald's one of them. McKenzie McDonald made... Uh, the final here, uh, almost, you know, played Yannick Sinner pretty closely, or so excuse me, made the final in Washington and played Yannick Sinner really closely. He can get hot. He's gotten hot before, and we saw it in Australia this year. He was really, he's playing really well. Yeah. I don't think he's playing well at all. I don't think he's playing well at all. I think, we, we, you know, talk about guys taking time off and not being ready for this tournament. Rublev is one of those guys. You know, it really doesn't take many breaks, but, he, you know, he, ha- he hasn't been uh, really giving it his all out of the court and just, you know, really just – fighting his time for the U.S. Open. And then, you know, the Karatsev match, as I said, I didn't think McDonald very looked, looked very impressive at all. So, yeah, I, I like Milos in this match. I would take Milos live, uh, you know, because, again, the crowd's going to help him. Now, the wetter courts, maybe some slower court speeds, that is a little bit of a dangerous issue. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would definitely back you guys that Milos is going to win this match. I, I also suffered through that Karatsev match, by the way. I'm not going to say what I want to say about it, but Karatsev gave him that match in the second that second set. We can all yeah, just absolutely. Figure out what you, we can all just figure out what you meant right there. Yeah. Um, well, we got some time to get topics. We'll get to the picks a little later. But Pam, you wanted to talk about the Italians trending in maybe different directions going into the U.S. Open. Uh, they played each other yesterday. Center out on top over Berrettini. So, what's on your mind about these two Italian players? I mean, you have to start first with Matteo Berrettini. He's called the hammer. I'm not convinced of that anymore. We saw Carlos outhammer him <laughs> in their matchup. But what I'm interested about Berrettini is he has made the quarterfinals in at least in at least the quarterfinals in the last few US Open. So people are gonna wanna potentially be backing him again this time around. I just don't think that he is ready for that at the moment. He's coming out of injury. He's only played 20 matches this year, but more so concerning. And I am never a somebody who likes to back Berrettini because he is his record against top 10 opponents is just absolutely atrocious. And we saw it yesterday in his straight set loss to Yannick Sinner. And it could have been potentially that he's still out of rhythm. He's still out of uh, motion with his trying to come back from injury, but he's two and five against top 10 opponents in this year alone. And his overall record against top tier 10 opponents is nine and 24. So there's a reason why we see him get to the quarterfinals and that's where it stops. He doesn't have the, the reason is that he plays your favorite player every every year, Novak Djokovic. He lost famously, only lost to Novak Djokovic in Grand Slam quarters can't get past for the last court. two years. No one can get past Novak Djokovic. I don't think it's, I think it's unfair to criticize him for that. Sorry, I'm sticking up for my boy. This is my son. He lacks variety in his game. His backhand is a huge weakness to him. All you have to do is attack his backhand. There's no. It's a. It's a it's a neutral it neutralizes it's a neutralized weapon. He ends up putting the ball back into play. There's just like no oomph off of it. And now, as mentioned, now there's players like Carlos Alcaraz who can outpower him with the forehand. And Yannick Sinner is one of those players that is one of those guys who can outpower him against the forehand. And we saw it yesterday. He doesn't lack. He doesn't have like the court sensibility. He's just all he has is that one hand forehand 
a big serve, and that's all there is. And so that's why you get to the quarter and yeah. you can't get beyond. So I would ask, I would ask Kenny this to kind of just further this discussion on hard court because we know on grass what Berrettini can do. But on hard court, do you like him favorable to any of the matchups with the guys that we consider the top ten? I mean, no, not right now. But I, I don't, I wouldn't. I, I think it's, I think it's irresponsible. I wouldn't say irresponsible, but I, I think that it would be a shock to me if in the next year he didn't make another Grand Slam quarterfinal, at the very least, it, it, maybe a Grand true. Slam That's semifinal. True. Because yeah. he's no, because I look, I, I think you look at a guy like Holger Runa. Um, absolutely, you know, I think absolutely he could beat Holger Runa. Uh, you know, we saw last year at the U.S. Open, by the way, when he made the quarterfinals, he hardly had played. He did not have his best tennis, and he still made the quarters. He still beat Andy Murray, who gave him a very, very good match, the Davidovich Akina match as well. I was there. He looked terrible. He still won that match. Like he still finds out, he still finds ways to win in Grand Slams. He's a three-time quarterfinalist at the at least at the U.S. Open. So I think because of that, he's made the quarters the last two years. He's, he made the semis when he beat Gail Monfils in a very spectacular match uh, all the way back in 2019. Yeah, he can absolutely win on hard courts. I don't think there's any question about that. And the backhand liability has been there for five years, for his whole career. And he still beats almost everyone on tour. And like everyone loves to say, oh, Rafa and Novak, oh, they just know, they're smart enough to attack his backhand. Look, Gabriel Diallo, who's terrible, he would attack Matteo Berrettini's back. Everyone knows to attack Matteo Berrettini's backhand. And yet this guy has still reached the top 10. He's still reached yeah. six in the world. He's still top 40 right now. I have no issue. I have no qualms with his ability to play on a hardcore versus a grass court. I have no fears. I don't think he's in form yet. I think Pam is absolutely right. Like I, I you know, it, it's a very risky proposition right now to bet him to do anything at the U.S. Open, and I'm not going to be doing that. But I think what we can't do is make up our minds yet and say, you know, he either he's finished or he's going to need another year or what. Because I think we've just seen him come back from injury. Yeah. like five times over the last two years we saw it during grass season last year and uh -huh. all of a sudden like it takes him a week and he's back and i thought he looked really good against yannick sinner yesterday he, he won a lot of return points he brought up a lot of big pressure points break points and also uh, people don't talk about it with yannick sinner because he's young and developing but he has a all his game is to serve beforehand too that's it his backhand's better it's than his backhand, backhand but it's not a weapon he's just a serve forehand guy so well, and, and he's a smaller he mental player than Matteo well, Berrettini. So I like Berrettini going forward, frankly, than, than more than Yannick Center. So this year, I think it's fair to say the form question is a, is something. So I think it's fair sure. to say that. And I do think that of all the players you mentioned, a guy like Hogaruna pointing out he lost last night, there are consistency issues in this game. We all love the upside, but he's still at a point where he could perform like he did last night and lose to a veteran that knows what they're doing. Um, but that said, Pam, I know the other side of this was Yannick Sinner putting the hard court record on the season up. This is where he does seem to ramp up his season, not just last year's U.S. Open run, the epic match with Alcaraz, but he's finished strong even post-U.S. Open in years past. Why do you like him going forward into this tournament and beyond? He's having just a really great hard court season this year, 21 and five. He's been the one player outside of Novak Djokovic that we've seen test Alcaraz three and three in head to head matchups. And that includes hard court surfaces, not just clay. I mean, he is just a contender. He seems to be adding more variety into his game. We're seeing him do a lot more drop shots. We're seeing him slice a little bit more. He's trying not to be so much of a baseliner that we have seen him in the past, but he also has that deep run in major scenarios. And if he can just, he's holding steady. It's just when you see him lose, he is similar to Berrettini, losing against the better players like Alcaraz, like Djokovic. Like, and he's just he's just in prime position right now coming into this. 
his in his thing has always been can he stay healthy and i haven't seen anything that says that he's injured mm-hmm. as of recently so if you're having to like pin me against two players and i know that berrettini has made at least the quarterfinals and that's what i mentioned earlier but i think center can definitely be one of those players that makes it be a quarter to win his quarter at the us open is something that i'm interested in yeah i think it's i think it's reasonable i think working with darren Cahill has been good for his game, and I guess we'll have to see. Um, lots, of, lots to get to on this show. want to also provide another update uh, specifically for Zico. Uh, we're, at, we're on serve again. There's been a lot of breaks recently. Uh, this match just rages on into the night. And with, that, and with that same point for everybody out there, I had a topic that I wanted to get to. Uh, somebody else that's been showing out this tournament, Zico. The Ageless Athletic Wonder. Of Gail Monfils into the third round is the favorite today to keep it going. This guy is probably the greatest athlete that's ever stepped onto a tennis court, and at his age with his injury, you know, beats top five Sitsipas and just keeps it going. Remarkable stuff from a guy who almost had to retire not too long ago. Yeah, I thought it was really awesome seeing him and Alcaraz practicing together. That's got to be the most athleticism that's been on a court at one time in the history of the sport. But uh, yeah, I was on the wrong side of that Sitsipas match actually. Monfils is kind of a player for me where when I bet against him, he looks like prime Federer. And when I have him, it's the match that he's like limping around and, you know, needs the crowd to even fight at all. But he has been really impressive. I think that he's, you, we actually spoke about it on the podcast, but he's controlled that aggression a little bit more. He's been controlling his athleticism a bit. But when he's serving well, he's, you know, one of the best players in the world. I still think that there's like a top 15 level in him. It's just a matter of whether or not he can stay healthy, but you really can't bet on it because it could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. He changed his tactics too in that uh, Sitsipas match. He was very aggressive when he needed to be. And I mean, you you bank Sitsipas back to back. That's pretty good. That's not <laughs> that's not taking advantage of any draw. So be that as it may, as we continue on here on tennis bets, Pamela Maldonado, Kenny Ducey, Zachary Cohen, some picks here that we have to get to, Kenny. I uh, want to get your thoughts on this one. This was one of the ones you, you shot at me pretty early. You like Fritz minus 130 against Demon Hour. Why is this the pick? Knowing that they've had some battles in the past. Fritz usually out on the victorious side, but they've had some battles and Demon Hour has pushed him quite a bit. Yeah, well, he has. And I, you know, I was actually talking about this with a friend earlier. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, when you when you look at the way that Demonor's career has progressed, I mean, when he went to the Basel final, and ironically, he beat Taylor Fritz in uh, the fourth round there, or the round of 16, excuse me, and he, he looked like one of the best tennis players I've ever seen. And then he got rolled by Fed in the final, but, you know, his his he was trending up. And I thought he, like, it, I, I, I watched him, and I was like, how does anyone beat this guy? Like, he gets to everything, right? Like, everyone was always so impressed with his court, court coverage. Like, you know, that's always been his calling card. Um, I think he's gotten worse since then. I don't think he's as good as he was back in 2019. And that doesn't really make any sense because the guy is two years younger than Taylor Fritz, right? And it just seems like his career has sort of, he's plateaued. Like he's, he's never really been able to rise up another level. Taylor Fritz has done that. Taylor Fritz has been in the ascendancy for the last three years. He's gotten better and better and better. He's accomplished more. You know, at, at, at first it was, you know, can he even get it done to 500 level? Then the, then the Masters 1000 level, he wins the Masters 1000. Now he's a perennial contender at Masters 1000 events. And, and very soon, once he finally has a Grand Slam breakthrough, we've been waiting for years for it to happen. Please, Taylor, I really stop, want to stop defending you at this point. Uh, once he finally does make a Grand Slam semifinal, I do think that, you know, that'll start to happen regularly. I just, he's continued to knock down these barriers, right? 
So we see a guy that's continued to progress. And because of that, over the last two years, he's faced Demon Lord three times, twice on hard courts, and he's won both of those matches. Now, I was at their match in 2021 at the U.S. Open. It was a very weird match because I thought for the whole match, Demon Lord played better than Fritz. Yet Fritz won in four sets. Demon Lord crumbled. And I do think that's going to continue to happen because Demon Lord used to beat the old version of Taylor Fritz, who was hyper-aggressive, who didn't find the right times to go for his big forehand and go for a winner. Now Taylor Fritz has learned how to play with his talents, his game, a lot better than he did years ago. And I just don't think this version of Taylor Fritz just ever loses to Alex Dimonor. Maybe on a, a clay court where both those guys have struggled at times, although now we know that he is Taylor Fritz. But I do think, in general, this is a matchup that's always going to favor Taylor Fritz. So I like him as the short favorite here. I think he's playing good tennis. And a lot of people, by the way, to give shouts and props to Ugo Umber, a lot of people will look at that win over Ugo Umber. They're not going to rate it as a high-quality win. Ugo Umber is playing at a top 15 level right now, and that is an undeniable fact. If you watch this guy play now versus a year ago versus two years ago, I mean, it is a world of a difference. This guy's playing unbelievable tennis. Fritz took a good, good challenge from him and won the match. So I like Fritz to win this match. I think he's playing good okay. tennis. Fritz is bouncing back to trying to have a year after a, a dreadful for his standard U.S. Open series run. And Demonar just seems to be at this level in between, you know, 15 and 20, trying to make his way up. Hasn't gotten there. I, I did forget one live pick, too. Zico, this could be a rough day for you, too, because I forgot you were on Rude today earlier before the match started. He's up a bit in the second, though, right? I, I feel yeah. like, yeah. But he was getting his back worked on, so it's probably not looking great. No, it's never <laughs> good when you send the medical timeouts yeah. for the job, but... Look, there, there's a lot to be, there's a lot at stake here. And I wanted to use this pick as kind of like a segue going forward. Uh, and I know, obviously, surprise, surprise, Kenny's on Fokina in this match. But the point yeah. being, the point being that there's still a pretty big race for the number four seed, the number four ranked player in the world. It's a pretty mm -hmm. tight race. The other three players in this race have already lost in this tournament. So between Rude, between Rublev, Tsitsipas, uh, and Holger Runa, I guess, Zico, starting kind of for you, do you see this taking shape in one way or another? Who do you think will get that four spot in their own section at the U.S. Open? Sorry, wait, my like, audio just went up for a second. Can you tell me? <laughs> okay. Who You're is good. the – yeah, who's in the running? Yeah, the, I'm, we're just looking to see who the four seed's going to be at the U.S. Open and how you see this race developing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I still think that, like – Oh, it's a tough one. I th I think that I would go with probably Sitsipas or something, someone like that. I know he's you know kind of falling out, but he just won in Cabo. I still think he's going to figure it out. I know that he got a really poor showing at this tournament, but I think there's a pretty good chance that he ends up having you know good rest of the way. He just got rid of his dad as his coach, so I still think he, he ends up being the four at the end of it. It's just uh, you know tough to say at the moment. Yeah, Pam, looking at it, I mean, there's a lot of just. Less than thrilling prospects here, you know. It's like just surveying the scene, and it's like, ah, well, we're not sure who to back with some some clunkers in there. But do you have a, a feel for this race? I'm interested to see Sitsipas. I mean, finally, he it took years to happen, but he did finally get rid of his dad as his main coach, and he's sticking with Mark Filipusis, and that is just something that needed to be done. He himself, how long has he been a pro? How long has he been in these deep friends? And he is just now saying. I needed a professional tennis player to help me. You think? <laughs> I mean, look at the players like Alcaraz and Djokovic and Sinner. And yes, there's a whole bunch of players and you haven't done nothing. Uh, I'm super excited about seeing now. Is this going to make a difference? 
And I know Pam Ken... is absolutely right. We needed we needed to get apostolos out of our lives. And sorry, did you want to team me up for an answer? Because I, no, I was just I was just, I was just gonna make a snarky comment. How other than Rude. of course you were. Why, why, why would I be? Why would you not make I a snarky comment? I don't know which one other than Casper Rude you're gonna pick. So go ahead. <laughs> yes, I am going to pick Stefano Sitsipas for a very good reason. Bamla mentioned, you know, obviously getting rid of Apostolos or having him step aside and Philip Pusis take over was a good move. I think he's playing better. But the one thing we have to note here is that this guy really should be named Stefano Sitsipas because he is the king at Cincinnati, semifinal, semifinal, and final the last three years. And yes, I did include the year that it was played at the grounds of the U.S. Open due to COVID. I, I know that people are going to say, oh, do you remember? Did you count the COVID? Yes, I did. Semifinal, semifinal, final. This guy loves to play at Cincinnati. He's had some great battles there. And I, I'm going to bank on him because the, the race is so tight between him, him and Runa. They both got knocked out of the same stage in Toronto. I think Boss is going to have a much better week than Runa next week, given the fact that he's familiar with the surroundings. He's always played well at this tournament. And he's trending in the right direction. He's playing some good ball, and he's got a good a new coach, and, and things are very exciting for him. So, yeah, I think that that is not even a conversation uh, to me. I mean, I think, well, we know Casper Root's not going to make it because he's Casper Root. And then Holger, it's ver- Holger Runa versus Stefano Sitsipas, who's going to have the better week. And Cincinnati, yeah, I'm going to take Steph every time. I do you think Root is a lot better than we give him credit for. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. What, did he, what, is, what, what, happened to, what happened to him last year at Cincinnati? What, what was uh, – He's obviously better. What than happened Perry last year? No, Zico. Tell me what happened last year when I couldn't even tell you. Honestly, you lost. <laughs> you lost to bring in Ben Shelton, dude. Hey, Ben. Shelton. You lost to Cooper Bradshaw. I mean, that's, I <laughs> ben, ben Shelton had played like one match ever at the pro level, and then boom, he's now he's pro because he beat Casper Ruud. Uh, he made the quarterfinals here one year by winning two matches over Riley Opelka and a third set breaker, which was I remember that he was down a break in the third set. And Opelka tanked that match. And then he beat Diego Schwartzman, who we all know is a great tennis player. And he was in, out, out again in his first match, straight sets to Ben Shelton last year. And Ben Shelton, by the way, was a, I think, a plus 400 underdog. I'm trying to do the live translation of the decimal odds in my head, 4.67. I mean, that's a very big underdog. Um, anyway, he yeah, he does a well in this tournament. He's going to, he lost to Guido Pella here in 2019, first round. So, yeah. no, he's not going to win any of the matches here. Root played the U.S. Open, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, never did. No, I don't think I've ever seen him play at the U.S. Open. And we're not talking about the U.S. Open. We're talking about what is going to happen going into the U.S. Open. Who's going to be number four seed? Casper Root is not going to win more than one match in Cincinnati. I think Stefano Sitsipas could win the whole tournament. So I think that's the big difference here, right? Yeah, Sitsipas after that final in Cincinnati, just inspiring stuff against Korch last year. Um, all right, we have a we have another live update, too. Uh, Mukova takes the second set, so have fun with Love that Love the emoji. One. Yeah. Oh, oh! Uh, the, I live live are, the live updates are just me a, losing money, and no one else has anything else. <laughs> can, I, can I give an update? Uh, it looks like we're back on court in yeah, Toronto. Looks like we're gonna we're gonna be playing tennis pretty soon here. Morgan. So, okay. oh, and a, another live update. It looks like we have rain in Montreal, so we're just oh, we're, we're oh trading God. away Montreal. We're getting Toronto back. Just moving. Um, I almost, I will say that I almost ended up taking her catch plus four games against Algaraz. And ultimately, I just decided to kind of back off of it a little bit just because, I mean, I just continue to feel like we see Carlos progress. And we've yeah. seen them play one match before, and it was two tie breaks, something that's not <laughs> out of the norm for Hakach himself. But it's just one of those positions where this is a watch and learn for me because I think sometimes I'm still in awe of what Alcaraz can do. 
and Hercotch yeah. has that big serve. He's going to get a lot of free points. But I think also Carlos is a much better returner even now than he was a year ago. So I want. It, I'm just interested to see that dynamic of how much has how much adjust, adjustment has he made to a big server like Hercotch. Maybe a time. I, I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. There, that's that's always in play with it. I, I I used to be a huge Hercotch guy. I'm just. I don't know what everyone else thinks. I, I just. I don't like him that much anymore. Like, I just don't think he – I think he peaked already. I don't think he's getting any better. Like, I used to think this guy was top five material because, like like we've all said, he has a huge serve. And, um, you know, but I, I just feel like he he's a, not a very good pressure player. And in matches like this, like, that is really going to cost him. Like, I, I don't know. I just didn't think he looked very good against Ketsmanovic yesterday. I don't think he's looked good all year. He's looked like he's in a little bit of a daze mentally. Like, I don't know. I, I, I just don't really know what to think about this guy anymore. I mean, we also have to remember, like, last year we lost Ilya Vashka at the U.S. Open. Like, it's not like he's even been putting up good results right. over the last year. So, I, I don't know. Like, it's he's a weird guy. He's really weird, frankly. He's weirding me out. He's a little frustrating because he moves better than all the other big servers on the tour. He yeah. should be a lot better than he is. So Exactly. See what you mean. Want to get through a couple more picks here before we uh, wind this show down. Kenny, we got you on uh, an underdog and, and I think it's a good way to kind of just segue into some of the great matches we still have. You're going underdog money line on Garone here against Tommy Paul. American on American pick. Marco, so we're going to say keeping it going. Another big wins in his future? I, I think so. I mean, he's got a lot of Dan Evans in him in the fact, in the sense that, like, he, right. he every year at a hardcore event, he just gets hot. Um, and, and that's... His ranking has, has been inside the top 100 now for the last few years, despite the fact that he's had like kind of, you know, middling seasons. He hasn't really ever been like had a great season, but he's always had like those two results that have really buoyed his ranking enough where he can get into, you know, a lot of the American hardcore tournaments. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is his week. I think he played qualifying, looked really good. He's played two quality opponents here, Rusevori and Runa, only dropping the one set. I thought it looked really good last night. And Tommy Paul, I, I can't really remember the last time this year where I thought Tommy Paul looked good. Um, I mean, even in Australia, right? Like that match against that bit of a Shakina match was a was a war. Like you know, yeah. And then the Ben Shelton match, right? He he should have closed that out in four. He ended up going five. I, I don't know, man. Like I love Tommy, and I, I want. I, I was happy that he beat Sarundolo last night because he should beat Francisco Sarundolo, but. Dropping a set to Diego Schwartzman, looking like he's going to lose to Diego Schwartzman, frankly. That was a very, very close match into the third. Very close match last night. I thought he looked bad in Cabo, uh, maybe because, you know, he was having a lot of fun on the beach. We don't know. But losing to Di Menor, um, and again, in a match that he really should have won, the the Rodriguez-Alves match was really close, like very close. Why was it so close? I, I just – I didn't bat, you know, like a meh grass season. He's never really been a good grass guy. I just – it's been a long time since I saw Tommy Paul and been like, yeah, that's Tommy Paul, like top 20 Tommy Paul. I think Marcos Giron wants it more, man. I think he's going to come out hungry. Yeah. I think he's going to going to really mentally intimidate Tommy with the amount of intensity he brings. And it's also a guy that he, we're going to discount world team tennis, even though people love world team tennis or some some people do. Uh, but the last tour level match they played, I was on a hard court in Miami. Giron did win that. I think Giron has what it takes here, and I think he wins this match. And I think this is a, a very great price to get on a guy that is really trendy right now, playing some very good tennis. Live yeah. update, Milos Ranage. <laughs> Only one ace. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not looking good. Well, <laughs> that's going to be a rough day for some of us here. Um, all right, so I did have another one, and we can kind of just see uh, what you guys think. Kenny just, you know, went went ham on the picks, but there were some interesting ones in here. 
And uh, another player in there that we got to talk about because he's got a tough one with center. Andy Murray to take one set. Kenny against center, minus 105. I'm on that too, by the way. <laughs> okay. Pam, are we going to make it unanimous or are you going to push back a little bit? Oh, yeah. I definitely think that this goes three sets. All right. Or, maybe not. Actually, no, 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 no. I'm going to take that back. Mm, uh, I don't know. I can Murray also just go in like a tie break and Murray loses that. He just seems like the perfect. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Kenny. I was going to say, Pam's in a difficult spot because she just talked up Yannick Center. So now exactly. yeah, you can't, you can't <laughs> talk <laughs> down. <laughs> no, but you're exactly right. Like, I can envision a scenario where this Center wins in straight sets because he wins the first set tiebreak and then Murray just falls off. Isn't Murray just like the perfect player to lose a tight three set match? Like, he's just the perfect guy. Like, when you're forecasting this, like, he'll win a set, he'll make it interesting. Like, he did it at the City Open. It was like the most like competitive loss he could have possibly had. That was insane. <laughs> uh, Zico, I got something on the women's side I wanted to share with you. And uh, we'll... I didn't even get to talk about my pick here. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> just move past it. Moving on. Uh, I mean, yeah, okay, you, you like you right like now. you like Sinner to take a set and then and then or uh, Murray to take a set and then we're just moving on. No, yeah, I I love this bet a lot because I don't think Sinner's a Sinner's a guy that that he has not handled big matches very well in his career except for Carlos Alcaraz, who's a guy that is his his age. Like I think playing a legend, um, he has beaten Murray in straight sets. That was last year in Dubai, but as we all know, Andy Murray's playing much better tennis right now, much closer to you know prime Andy Murray than he had that he's been in quite some years and I don't think Sinner I'm not ready to claim Sinner is is you know playing unbelievable tennis because he beat Matteo Berrettini in two sets and yes I know I did just say I think Matteo Berrettini will be fine eventually but yeah I mean I I thought that you know Matteo Berrettini played a lot better than he should have but Sinner gave him a lot and I, I don't again a match against a legend like this Sinner is, is not really built like for this, like he's not built for the spotlight. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a very, very close match. I think he's going to give some points away to Murray and Murray takes whatever you give him. So I think Sinner's going to give him a little bit. I think Murray's playing some good ball right now. And, um, you know, a quality win over Sonigo. I thought Purcell actually played really well last night. So I think he absolutely takes the set here. Probably doesn't win, but uh, probably makes uh, Sinner stay up past his bedtime. Quick. I had a lot of that. Sorry, go ahead, Rich. I want to go quick around the room, though, because he's 36 in the live ranking right now. Will he be seated at the U.S. Open? Quick thoughts. I would say no, because, no. I mean, you assume that he's going to potentially lose a close one here. I don't know what he would have to do at Cincinnati to get in, but. He loses his yeah. match, so the answer is no. Okay. Hey, no, no um, Cincinnati I'm, magic? I'm going to say yes, uh, because be I think a lot of the guys – yeah. All, all he needs to do really in Cincinnati is win two matches. I don't think Yuri Lehechka is going to have a better week. I don't think Yaz Lajera is going to have a better week. I don't think uh, Thomas Martin Echeverry, the fraud that he is, is not going to have a good week. Um, I think there's a lot at Man Manorino. Like, I think the, the only guy in front of him right now in the rankings that I'm scared of, like, I mean, besides Alejandro Davidovich Aquina is Hugo and Bear. Um, I think he can absolutely make this ground up. I think he can do it. I think because again, the Masters one thousand. So and God forbid he wins tonight. Yes, Andy Murray will be seated at the U.S. Open. Mark that down. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Uh, as I was saying before, Kenny had to really just hammer home his Murray pick. Uh, Zico, I like Coco to win uh, money line over Von Drusova. I'm riding the hot hand here. I think Von Drusova looked a little sluggish against Wozniacki, and I like the momentum to keep going. Yeah, so I'm on the other side of this one. Although I've been on the I've been on the wrong side of golf for a while, but I just 
don't really believe that like all the problems could be fixed in this short of a time. I know she played really well at the city open. I know that she won pretty easily on the scoreboard against Bolter, although it was a closer match than you would think. But I do think that Andrusa was just a little undervalued. And I thought that Wozniacki actually played pretty well. I thought that was a pretty big win for Vondrusova. So I do think that's a really good value to be getting on a player that I do think is better than Goff. So I took it. I'm not, great. I'm not very confident in it, but I played it because of the price. Okay. Well, hey, you know what? We're not always going to agree. So that's, that's yeah. And I'm like 0 3 today. So you're, you should be. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I wasn't going to say anything, but yeah. <laughs> Kenny, I think there's a real uh, chance for Coco to build on this momentum. We don't know Iga's form. Sabalenka looked a little shaky. Um, we'll see. I mean, this is, this is an opportunity here for her to make some waves. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think Goff is playing pretty well right now. I thought that she had a tough grass season or just really a tough middle of the season. Not that she was bad, but um, I think she's playing a lot closer now to the level that she played going into the U.S. Open last year when I thought she was going to win it all. So um, I, I would I would say this is a good pick. I like it, Mitch. Rare W right. for Mitch. And I think I think that I would maybe look at Coco uh, the future. I'm just joking. Yeah, I, I think I would look for the – I didn't want to make you feel too good. Maybe U.S. Open futures. No, it's Coco. good. I, I appreciate yeah, could be, could be, could be time for the overseason as well. Uh, well, this has been a fun show. We're going to wind it down here. Tennis bets um, before we say goodbye to everyone. I guess, I guess there's one more topic on the show. Uh, Pam, we can kind of start the ball rolling because this is like an important tennis bets question at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> How long would a real fan make fun of an Android user? <laughs> Okay, so this is happening because I've been a forever lifetime Android user and I was getting hammered by my friends every day, every minute. Get an iPhone, get an iPhone. We're going to ditch you. I'm sorry. We're not going to be friends with you anymore. Um, we went on a girl's trip to Napa and they're like, if you get lost, sorry, we're just going to leave you there. Finally converted to the iPhone and it has been the best forced decision that I was ever that I ever made, and now I am hammering for Mitch. Money, Mitch, use some of that money to get an iPhone. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was also a life, life, lifetime Android user, and I, I never will forget where I came from. I could never, uh, you know, if, if you, I, I respect everyone that holds on to the Android as long as they can. That was me until about a year ago. You know, all the all the power to you, Mitch. I'm jealous. I'm jealous that you were able to stand out to hold out for that long and keep keep it going, keep fighting the good fight, man. It's just that's so sweet to hear a story like Pam's response to bullying was just more bullying. It's just it's yeah, great. like I, I got bullied, so I'm gonna bully you yeah, into getting one. Very, very touching. Never, I'll, ne I'll never, never talk down to an Android user ever. I I do think as a former, we've all three of us here. I don't know, Zico. We all know, you know, it's tough not being in the group chat, but it's it's a uh, it's you know i'm never gonna like i'm never gonna disparage someone for having an android well that never either <laughs> i'm old enough to have had a sidekick though oh oh god right let's just go I'm back to that to well, the original ipod oh yeah of course all right well it was a fun show uh thanks to zachary cohen thanks to kenny ducey thanks to pamela maldonado we're back next week uh next week's show for the cincinnati uh masters event is going to be a good one as well Lot to decide, lots of races as we Cincy get ready for the series. It's a yeah, and we got sets of maybe defending a lot of finals points too. So we'll see what happens there. But for Kenny Ducey, for Pamela Maldonado, and for Zachary Cohen, I'm Mitch Michaels. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network as well. But check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We're back next week with another edition of Tennis Bets. Thank you for watching and listening. Good luck out there. Make some money.